Welcome to Educate This. My name is Nate Hammond and this is the podcast for educators, teachers, coaches, mentors, trainers, guides and well, students, which should be all of us. We learn to teach and we teach to learn. Educate This is thankful to be sponsored by training provider and TAE experts, Qualify Now. Check them out at qualifynow.com.au for all of your TAE questions and needs. All right, let's level up. All right. Hey, everyone. Thank you for being with me today. I'm going to get a little personal here. That's all right. I'm going to get a little real and I'm going to reveal my childhood crush. She came onto the music and cultural scene when I was a kid like a whirlwind kaleidoscope with a vibrant attitude and fashion and song. Her name was, or was, still is actually, Cindy Lauper. Icon of the 80s. Today's episode is a lesson on the growth that we can achieve by rising to our personal challenges. Through tough beginnings, which included a father who abandoned the family, a perverted stepfather, eating squirrel and other scrounged up food with her impoverished boyfriend, being raped by a bandmate, a court battle with her manager and more. Cindy Lopper fought through it all and rose to the heights where she could let her unique, chromatic style of music and fashion breathe. There was one uh, trial, though, that could have been the ultimate ending to any aspirations that she had of making it as a singer. For a little while in the mid-70s, she found that she had damaged her voice and could barely speak, let alone sing. It was a years-long warning that she didn't heed or completely recognize the implications of. There was a night, for example, in 1974, where her voice, like her father, just up and left. She was going for a high note, which with her four-octave range, she should have hit easily, but it just wouldn't come. She carried on, though, and kept booking gigs, mostly cover gigs, where she would smash out rockin' versions of growling, sandpaper, guttural voices like Janis Joplin and Rod Stewart. Eventually, her vocal cords gave out on her and collapsed. Doctors told her that it was time to put her voice to bed. She wouldn't sing again. Definitely not professionally. Distraught, but never beaten, Cindy Lauper was recommended a vocal coach by uh, the name of Katie Agresta. It was no easy fix, but through long, patient training, Cindy was able to regain her voice and make an indelible mark on the 80s, particularly the 80s, and create a legacy with music, theater, fashion that has resonated through the ages and lives on to this day. And she continues to create and to make music and to to uh, to work in theater. If you've seen Kinky Boots, you'll know where I'm going with that. Well, here are three lessons that educators can learn from Cindy Lauper's journey. These are lessons that we can both share and also self-apply. Lesson one, one person entering our lives can inspire course correction. There's a quote out there, probably a few actually, that speak to the idea that there's only one person who can change your life and that person is you. Well, 
ultimately true in a generally free society, we can all benefit from the wisdom, experience, expertise, etc. of others. No person is an island. We all do and can continue to benefit from the help of others. Of course, while sometimes it takes another to give us a shove, it is then up to us to spread our wings and fly or retract our wings and die. A story that I came across recently helps to illustrate this. American Brian Fleming was a hyper-morbidly obese, weighing over 280 kilos, depressed, alcoholic, 30-year-old college dropout who spent his days gaming. He said he would drink a fifth of vodka mixed with a liter of soda every night, and junk food was his main diet. Then he met someone online through a Pictionary app called Draw Something. I've never played this app, but it sounds pretty cool. I like Pictionary and the arguments that it gets me into, um, so I might have to give it a crack. But that someone was 50-something-year-old Jackie Eastman, who lives in Paris, and she suffers from myotonic muscular dystrophy. So she lives with a hyper-conscious, healthy lifestyle as a way of mitigating this condition. The Draw Something game has an option to write comments to someone who you are playing with. This opportunity to communicate and get to know Jackie may have saved Brian's life and, in the least, definitely catalyzed a tremendous change that would alter his course for the better. Because of her own experiences with health issues, Katie was able to, or Jackie, sorry, was able to pick up on signs that he was not living an optimum lifestyle health-wise, and so prompted, Brian confided in her, confided about his weight, his depression, his drinking issues, and long story short, Jackie determined to help him, and Brian accepted that help, knowing that he wanted to inspire, he wanted her to inspire the change he desperately needed. He wanted that push. In the last update I could find, Brian had lost 180 kilos and was preparing to run a marathon. He also flew to Paris to meet his coach and self-appointed trainer. Now, imagine if Anne Sullivan hadn't teamed up with Helen Keller. How might their lives have turned out? What about John Lennon and Paul McCartney? Would they have been as successful without each other? Bernie Tolpin, Alton John. Uh, what about Timon and Pumbaa, Rick and Morty? As educators, we might find ourselves by nature of our very jobs in that Jackie position often. We are the ones to train, coach, guide, mentor, etc. However, we also need to allow ourselves to be open to also being trained, coached, guided, mentored. Teachers need coaching. Coaches need teaching. Sometimes that guidance is purposely sought for, and so it should be, and professionals are employed. And sometimes, sometimes it can come from the most unlikeliest of places at the most unexpected times. I have a friend who owns a highly rated and award-winning Indian restaurant. She told me not too long ago about a young staff member who she took on as a kitchen hand. And I can't recall exactly how she described this certain interaction, but she explained how she saw him peeling an onion in a way where there was far less waste than she normally would create herself. And so she complimented him and adopted that method herself. Contrast that with a time many years ago when, as a young adult, I was working at a mattress making factory. And uh, while I was there, I figured out a way to alter one of the templates in a way that we could get a few extra millimeters of each foam roll that we were cutting. Less waste, and though it was tiny, with thousands of mattresses being made, I could see it all adding up. My manager's supervisor was one who hated any idea that wasn't his. He raked me over the coals to the point where he was ranting and raving. Ranting and raving for having the audacity to suggest such a thing as a change to a template. That template had been there for years. A few years later, after I'd left the factory, I was talking to someone who was still working there, and apparently my template had been adopted and that manager had been demoted. 
Not that the two were directly connected. Um, well, I'm not sure, probably not, because I'd been gone quite a while, but that prideful manager was obviously seen as a Luddite who couldn't accept ideas for progress and improvement if they didn't come from his own head. As educators, we can find plenty of learning opportunities, not just from those who are sitting above us in a work or qualification sense, but even from those who we have stewardship over. By the way, that 20-year veteran of restaurant ownership, she still attends regular cooking classes as a student. Lesson number two from the life of Cindy, weaknesses can be catalysts. Weaknesses can be catalysts for decline or progression. It all depends on three things. One, whether we find the weakness. Two, whether we pay it attention. And three, whether we do something about it. As a long-time personal trainer who has moved on to education, I still keep a couple of clients on hand to keep my axe sharpened. When I was taking on new clients, I would tell them from day one, we will start with discovering weaknesses and when we find them, we will celebrate. Now, I didn't mean balloons and a bouncy castle, of course. We would just flip the usual reaction to finding a weakness. Now, I know that sounds odd, but it worked for us as a celebration was not for the fact that there was a weakness, but that we had discovered the weakness. We discovered a weak link in a chain that we could strengthen. We could strengthen the chain as a whole. Now, we were learning to enjoy discovering issues as a part of the journey, our journey. As trainer and student or trainer and client, teacher, student, we can learn to enjoy discovering these issues as part of our journey. Looking for dopamine hits by finding weaknesses? Well, that's a radical thought. Once discovering a weakness, a person then has three options and only one of these options leads to progress. So if you forget the first two, I'm fine with that. Option A, pretend the weakness doesn't exist. I recall when I was playing rugby, I loved playing flanker, open side flanker, which for the uninitiated is a position where you have to be super fit and you have to be willing to chase the ball from side to side and to end of the field. I had all the skills necessary, fitness, I just missed by a fraction level 16 on the beat test. I had speed, strength, etc. But I was about 15 to 20 centimeters shorter than the average elite player. As I continued after high school, I was told by a rep coach, look, Nate, you've got the goods. You're someone I can see bringing up, but not as a flanker. You're simply not tall enough. Focus on a position in the backs or perhaps halfback and you'll do quite well, I believe. I was prideful, however. Didn't happen. Now, if Cindy had said, screw this, I love singing like Janis Joplin and there's nothing you can do to stop me, well, we would not be hearing time after time or true colors or girls just want to have fun on the radio. Instead of realizing that I had a limitation in one position that could actually be an asset in another position, I chose pride over change. Of course, even if I had changed my attitude and programming, who's to say I would have reached that ultimate goal anyway, right? But the point is that by pretending our weaknesses don't exist, we are also ignoring opportunities that might come our way if we were consciously and proactively dealing with them. Sometimes a weakness, and I say this with quotation marks, sometimes a weakness is really just limitation unrecognized. Don't believe the inspirational memes that there are no limits. Of course there are limits. Ask, let's say, Dorian Yates, the OG of massive bodybuilders who dominated the 1990s with six Mr. Olympia titles. He's almost 60 years old now. Do you think he's still growing? Eventually he peaked. We all peak in different disciplines. Otherwise we would have 80 year olds that started benching in their 20s now hitting a thousand kilo presses. Thankfully, while there is a peak to every mountain, there is more than one mountain that we can climb. Option B, and again, you can forget this one as soon as I say it, whinge and moan about its existence and let it damn your growth potential. Sure, 
wallow around in a muddy quagmire of self-pity until your light goes out and the vultures of misery pluck the flesh from your bones. Morbid? <laughs> it's a bit morbid. I'm trying to paint a picture here, alright? Make sure we visualize how abominable option B is. Because the only good option is option C. Fix it or work around it. If a weakness is fixable or not so damning that it can be worked around, then we can keep working towards our goals with the right mindset and proactive approach to the concern. So for example, our 15-year-old son who plays basketball has been complaining about knee pain when playing. I used my own fitness knowledge to analyze as best as I could, but ultimately knew, and this actually ties back into lesson one, that I needed someone else to help me to find the source of the problem. So I took him to a friend, very good physiotherapist, shout out to Brendan Pigeon. And after going through a number of tests for meniscus damage, hamstring tightness, and so on, ultimately we discovered a couple of things which largely had to do with a rapid growth spurt that he had recently gone through that his patella or knee joint ligaments weren't prepared for. It was all good news. We were able to give him some mitigating exercises to prep for hard training and games, as well as some exercises to stabilize the knee, strengthen the pertinent muscles around the knee, teach them to fire when needed, etc. Cindy Lopper and her coach got excited about the discovery of her weakness. She could have been stuffed. I love my rock music and I am going to bloody well power through anyway. Or she could have said, I can't sing rock belters. Woe is me, all hope is lost. But instead, she saw her weakness, looked at what she could fix, looked at what she could work around, looked at what she needed to discard, and then she went from there. Lesson number three from the life of Cindy, knowing our true self is essential to becoming our true self. Healing her larynx and retraining Cindy's voice was a matter of urgency. Katie Agressa reflects on the time as something that went beyond simply healing a broken voice. They weren't rebuilding it to be used in the same way that it had been before, covering aggressive rocking belters. She discovered that Cindy had an incredible voice in her own right, but it was a pop, blues, even jazzy voice, not a rock belter. So to become who she was meant to be, Cindy had to throw out the imitation game. Cindy explains in her memoir that her coach made her realize, quote, what I was aching for to sing my own songs in my own voice, end quote. She says that that night when her voice quit on her, quote, I couldn't hit the high note because I didn't have my music, end quote. Socrates, we think it might have been him. Who knows? It's attributed to him. Not much is written from his own mouth, but he says, to know thyself is the beginning of wisdom. That is true. To know thyself is the beginning of wisdom. Cindy, getting to know herself, helped her to wisely correct her course. As her innate quirkiness was allowed to escape through her pores, we witnessed the birth of an icon. It's an impression that remains 40 years on. You won't ever attend an 80s fancy dress party where the Cindy Lauper style isn't on display by many partygoers. Sometimes it's hard to get to know ourselves. While the first tip is about seeking and valuing help from other people, it should be balanced with alone time. A great way to begin the education of knowing oneself is to find moments of solitude. One of history's raddest philosophers and one of my favorites, Nietzsche, said of solitude, quote, I go in solitude so as not to drink out of everybody's cistern. When I am among the many, I live as the many do, and I do not think I really think. After a time, it always seems as if they want to banish myself from myself and rob me of my soul. End quote. Regularly finding time to be alone is essential. It is time spent with oneself to get to know oneself. We should take that time without distractions. Forget the phone at home. Get off social media for a while or in the least see what is posted by others for what it is, 
idealized lifestyles. So we can spend our time wishing for what others have and wishing to be like others are, or we can pull ourselves away from that crowd and get to know ourselves for what we really are and who we really are and what we can become. So to recap, lesson one, one person entering our lives can inspire course correction. Lesson two, weaknesses can be catalysts. Lesson three, knowing our true self is essential to becoming our best self. What ties us all together is the idea that opening ourselves up to discovering ourselves, our strengths and weaknesses is essential for improvement. So with that in mind, I've got to finish with a quote by the great writer, philosopher, poet, abolitionist, Rolf Waldo Emerson. The only person you are destined to become is the person you decide to be. Thank you for being with me today. My name is Nate Hammond. This is Educate This. We are sponsored by TAE Specialist Qualify Now. Check them out if you want to become a trainer, uh, an educator, a coach. The TAE 40116 qualification can help you on that path.